0: Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, episode number
1: eight. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar.
0: Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. And we're here bringing you the next podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to be covering Kizomba pet peeves. But I'm pretty sure some of these pet peeves can be taken across the dance scene. They're not specific to just Kizomba. However, um, we do want to put like a disclaimer out there to let you know, like, even though we're bringing up kind of more negative aspects of the dance scene, um, we're not negative people. Um, It's just to kind of build... Awareness of what's going on in the dance scene, of yourself, of other things that you may have experienced, and kind of ways to circumvent or or handle those situations that you don't really pick up on on the dance floor, you know.
1: Absolutely, and this is Emily Bartholomew, and I'm glad to be joining the Dance Your Heart On Fire podcast again as episode
0: a, number three. Episode
1: number three. Well, not, not,
0: well, this isn't episode number three, but it's the third time that you're on.
1: Yes, this is my third guest appearance, I suppose you could say. And, yeah, I think our goal with talking about some of the pet peeves is to bring to light some of the issues that maybe ladies would talk about with each other in the restroom or Mm -hmm. something like that and to sort of address more of the social etiquette aspect of dancing. And certainly it's not meant to be negative, but just something to bring your dancing to the next level, not just in terms of technique, but also the social aspect.
0: Most definitely. So I'm going to be a chivalrous podcaster, (laughs) gentlemen, and let Mrs. Emily Bartholomew kick off the pet peeves here. And I believe the first one is going to be leads from a follower's perspective and some of the pet peeves that you've experienced or others have experienced with that.
1: So my number one pet peeve regarding leads from a follower's perspective are leads who are overly rough or harsh. It just makes the dance not really enjoyable and especially if it's someone i haven't danced with before it doesn't inspire a lot of comfort because that sort of rigid rough energy feels really tense and it doesn't feel comfortable or really inspire a lot of trust and confidence and i think it's a common mistake for leads who are new because they're really nervous and they want to do it correctly and they just have a little bit too much energy going into their movements, and I feel like I'm being jerked around. And like I said, it's 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 really common, but I feel like for most of the movements, I mean, certainly the basics, you shouldn't have to be yanking someone around. If you have a good frame and your own body movement and technique is on point, then you shouldn't really have to uh, yank your follower around. And in particular with regards to Tarashinya, I have, described uh, dancing tarashinya with a guy who's like pounding on my back but has no body movement of his own to initiate the movement as being forced to give a lap dance to a statue. Mm-hmm. And it's about as enjoyable as giving a lap dance <laughs> to a statue sounds like it would be, which means not enjoyable at all. And that that roughness, especially when you're in such a close, potentially sensual movement is really, just can be just really uncomfortable. And the other thing is, too, is that a lot of times when the guy who's, you know, less experienced is trying to initiate some of these uh, Tarashinya hip movements, he'll hold on to you too tight, which inhibits your ability to move. So it really is not only uncomfortable, but counterproductive and potentially creeper territory. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) And you definitely don't want to get into a, a creeper status. And hearing you talk, Emily, kind of inspires me. To talk to my leads as well, because like as a, as, a, as a male instructor, obviously other leads look up to me for like, guidance and steps and things like that you know and I can teach you all the steps and I can teach you all these variations and things like that, but I can't teach you the flow I can see how it looks but that only tells like maybe twenty percent of the story you know the way it feels from a follower that's the true test that's what you want to get. That's what you want to be focused on, you know. So I know a lot of leaders are sometimes resistant or they discredit or they're not like they they kind of shut their their ears to the feedback that they get from follows sometimes. But guys, like you dance with follows at the socials, you know, so (laughs) you definitely want to try to get as much feedback as you can from a follow because they're just going to help you polish your lead so much more, more than I ever could, unless I start following and, and feeling your lead. But I mean, I'm not going to dedicate as much time into that because I'm just in that leader's role and that's why you have dance partnerships because the follows add that value and that reminds me of the podcast that I had with Laura Riva. Um, I forgot what episode it was. We talked about what it means to follow like a boss and we talked about kind of like the inequalities between leaders and followers and the value that they bring to the table and like, yes, we want to learn new moves. Yes, we want to learn different uh, steps and variations and things like that but guys, please, please like take the feedback that you're getting from a follow to heart or take it seriously because it's really gonna take your dance to the next level. And like uh, Emily was saying, like it's really a soft, subtle move. It's not something that, that's yanking around. Even though it may be perceived that way, you definitely wanna to get to the point to where you're able to lead a lot of these moves effortlessly on the dance floor and you're not yanking your partner around. And who's gonna tell you if they feel yanked around? The person that you're dancing with <laughs> on the dance floor, you know? So, guys, definitely take that to heart. Definitely going to help you guys for the better in the long run. The, the faster you realize or take heart, the feedback that you get from the followers, I feel like the faster you're going to level up. For sure.
1: Yeah. And just about that, I mean, a lot of times a follow will tell you if she feels like you're being too rough or holding too tight or leading tarashinya in a way that makes her uncomfortable. But most of the times, I feel like we follows don't speak up and we don't say anything Mm -hmm. because it was uncomfortable. And Pamela and I were just talking about that actually. How you know, I'm I've I've been dancing kizomba for close to two years now, and I'd still say that over half the time, I don't speak up when I feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um, about something that's happening. So that's part of our goals for this podcast, too, is to relay these messages, because a lot of times, and also the the feedback that uh, Charles is about to give from a lead's perspective, or some of the pet peeves about follows, we don't necessarily communicate to each other on the social dance floor, a lot of times, just because it feels confrontational. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us aren't comfortable with that kind of communication or only comfortable doing it in very extreme circumstances
0: yeah i remember in the pre-podcast talk we talked about how you feel it's more comfortable to suffer than to speak (laughs) up that you're uncomfortable but like um definitely woman if you're able to find your voice on the dance floor maybe you'll be able to find your voice off the dance floor to kind of speak in those situations outside of all kinds of situations whether it's an abuse situation, or in a situation at work, or with family. Like, if you're not comfortable, you should have the right to say that you're not comfortable, and you shouldn't be forced to put in, be in that in that particular scenario. You know. Amen. I'll go ahead and go next here with the pet peeves, and the number one pet peeves from a leader's perspective from follows is going to be back leading. For number one, I dance with a lot of ladies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's Right. <laughs> There's probably no human in America who dances Kizoma with more women than Charles Ogar. So this is coming from, this is a really wide sample.
0: <laughs> yeah. So even before I get into the back leading, I'll, I'll touch on that. Like I really try to dance with as many followers as I can on I'm at the, the socials that I go to. At this day and point in my Kizoma career, I don't have a Kizoma partner. So I'm not performing and things like that. So I'm really focusing on my instruction as being kind of like my quote-unquote flagship product or service, and I'm dabbling into DJing. Obviously, we're doing the podcast here to create more value for you guys out in the dance scene outside of just classes and workshops and videos and posts that say, buy my pass now. Let's let's talk about stuff. So I really try to dance with as many people as possible and be that inspiration because, I mean, I started off not knowing much, and I remember like there was Cindy Rojas from San Francisco, There are a couple of people here in Austin that were very supportive when I first started dancing Kizoma. They're very encouraging. And that kind of gave me the confidence to keep taking classes and make me hungry and look at where I am today. So that helps a lot. Another point before I get into the back leading is leads try to social dance as much as you can as well because if social dancing is really going to help you create your own style on the dance floor, I know people who go and take workshops and they'll take privates but then you don't see them on the social dance floor and it's like you're missing the key ingredient of your learning experience. But we're not going to make this podcast too long so um, (laughs) I can talk a lot if you guys can't hear (laughs) the passion in my voice about this kind of thing but we're actually recording this podcast a day after my two year anniversary of teaching Kizoma full time. So... That's been really awesome. And I really like to create that value in the in, in the in the dance scene, you know, and this podcast is one of those means. So off my soapbox a little bit onto another soapbox um, back leading from a follow's perspective. And I don't want it to come off as like, oh. If you're learning, then you're getting on my nerves. Or if you are making an attempt to better yourself, it's a learning process. So it definitely takes time to get better and things like that. But if you are aware of the things that you're doing on the dance floor, then you can take more proactive choices and training and practice to kind of enhance or remove those bad habits. And one of those bad habits is is back leading or anticipating. And sometimes in my private, I'll say, well, not sometimes, basically all my privates um, when I have with females, The idea is to your anticipation should be not to anticipate, so to speak. I know that's easier said than done. And Emily, I know you've done me doing some some meditation to kind of help out with that and being in the present moment. The most enjoyable dances are the ones that you feel super connected with your partner and you feel like there's communication. If If you're back leading all the time, it feels like I'm trying to tell you something and you cut me off. And you start saying your story and then I try to find an opportunity to start to lead you or start to say something with my lead again and I can't get it through. And like I'm saying, I'm not saying this is always intentional. Sometimes it's it's not intentional. But if you're not aware that you're back leading, then that's also an issue in that, you know, Um, there's nothing wrong with learning. There's nothing wrong with growing or anything like that. But being unaware of if you're back leading or not is kind of tough. And I know sometimes. I dance with follows and they get a sense of satisfaction thinking that, oh, I was able to dance with Charles. That means I'm a good follow. And not necessarily because I if I feel a really good dance, I feel like I'm able to connect with you, you know, and sometimes I compensate. Well, not sometimes, but most of the times I compensate because I can't do everything that I want to do dancing with girls at different levels, you know, but just because we're able to get through a couple of social dances on the dance floor doesn't immediately directly reflect on your followability because I'm not going to try to force moves on you and things like that, you know, and I might avoid certain particular moves or steps or syncopations and things like that because I feel like it's going to take away from the social dance floor experience. So, yes, it's awesome if you get to dance with your leaders and and, and that applies not just to me, like if you dance with Albert or Laurent or Felicienne or something like that and you're able to understand, well, I hope you would be because these are like some of the best leads in the world, you know, but... That doesn't necessarily equate to, oh, I don't back lead and I'm an awesome follower because it's all based on how you feel. And just like we were talking before with the the guys to hear feedback from the leaders and make sure that you are polishing your lead. Also, for the followers, getting feedback from a, a qualified Kizoma instructor, making sure that you are, in fact, practicing the way that you're supposed to, you know. So, yeah, that's that'll be my rants on, on back leading. Anything you want to add to that? I,
1: I think it just takes practice because the anticipation thing is natural. But I think there's a difference between anticipating and going a little too soon and purposely trying to just initiate a different movement. We have to have the social contract where one person is leading and one person is following in order for it to work. And I think as you get more advanced, it's easier to pick up On when your lead is giving you a few counts to do what you want and I think when your connection is good and if the lead is listening because the follow is not the only one who's listening right to this conversation that is the dance like if the lead is listening to what you're doing you can tell as a follow that you will start to influence what the lead is inspired to do while dancing with you
0: and I will also say don't be afraid to find your style out of fear of backleading because I am pro active follow. And what I mean by active follow is like I want you to speak back to me and enhance and show me what you bring to the table in the social dance floor and not just be a rag doll that I can move around on the dance floor because that's not the best dance either. Make sure that you're able to understand the lead and then you can talk back. After from a point of understanding. But if you can't understand what he's saying from the beginning and you just jump and start putting your own or anticipate what you think I'm trying to say, then it's, 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 it's a different story. So I, I want to make sure that I'm clear on being passive and not doing anything and being scared of speaking and adding your own style, because I definitely want you followers to add your own style and to be an active follower. And that's not something that you really see a lot of in the Kizomaden scene. But you see a lot like ladies styling for salsa or ladies styling for bachata or anything like that. But I would love to see a lot more active following in the Kizomba scene. Um, it, it's present in tango. So if it's present in tango and, and it follows in tango are, are able to embellish the leads, I feel we can definitely do it in, in Kizomba. So I don't want you ladies to feel that back leading. Don't take it so harshly to where you're not doing anything and you're just operating and not being afraid to add your own voice to the conversation.
1: So onto the number two pet peeve regarding leads from a follow's perspective, bad floor craft, AKA bumper cars. <laughs> I hate this. I hate it so much because as a follow, a lot of times we're walking backwards and I feel like most of the time when people bump into each other, it's like the lady's back who, mm-hmm. who hits another couple. And so the guy can see or the lead can see And it happens, and so you know, mistakes happen. I think I've when I was leading before, I've accidentally been a bumper car, (laughs) but apologize. That's and so that's the other thing. Like one problem is floorcraft and bumping into other people. Of course, we want to avoid that, but the other thing is not mentioning it or apologizing. And I have to say, probably more than half the time when it's happened to me, the lead doesn't say anything. Mm And so uh, we'll talk about apologizing later because that like saying sorry too much mm-hmm. is uh, when you're learning can is as is, is a, is a more general peppy. But if you are leading and you hit someone, you really need to you really need to say you're sorry because it's your job as a lead to protect the follow because usually she can't See if you're walking forwards where she's going. And a lot of times in kizomba for certain songs or certain dance partners, the follow is closing her eyes. Mm-hmm. So the lead, that's another thing. Please don't close your eyes if you're moving. If you're holding still, hopefully other people will have good floor craft mm-hmm. and won't hit you. But closing your eyes and moving is, is freaking dangerous. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely, definitely. So the first time I heard the word floor craft was last year a tango festival that talked about floor craft if you guys have ever dabbled in tango or learned tango there's like this whole guidelines rule book on how you social dance and there's like a circle that you're supposed to follow and go with the f- circle of the dance and things like that and i'm not the well-versed person to kind of explain but there's there's rules to it you know but floor craft not crashing into your partner being able to adapt to small tight spaces versus having more space to play around with you have to be able to adapt probably here In the US, you don't have to worry about, depending on where you're dancing, a crowded dance floor for Kizoma. (laughs) Because usually, like sometimes the venues, there's a lot more space versus dancing. Comparing this to dancing in Europe, where you have so many people dancing Kizoma on the dance floor at a given time, you definitely have to operate in a lot smaller space. But guys, it kind of goes into the whole thing. It's like, what are you trying to do? What's your goal on the dance floor? Are you trying to execute all these kind of tricks and move around? Because you can have a very enjoyable dance in a two by two foot space and just connect. If the, if the space isn't there, then just focus on the connection and, and connect with your partner more so than anything, you know? So yeah, guys, as far as the, the floor craft, be aware of the space that you have. See how much space that you have going on the social dance floor and kind of operate within the space that you have. And if everybody has good floor craft, then it makes the social dance experience so much more enjoyable. Coming from a salsa, but the background, I mean, solacea, you're definitely moving at a lot higher speeds, doing triple spins and things like that. So you always try to take care of your partner. And another interesting thing is I was doing some research in the dance scene and I, I came across this guy named Frankie Manning, which is one of the forefathers of Lindy Hop. And he was teaching until he was like 91. But it was really interesting to watch some of his last classes in his golden years because he always referred to his father as a queen and taking care of her and making sure that she was protected and like everything went through so i mean chivalry on the dance floor is kind of like one of the few places i feel like chivalry is still there in this modern world (laughs) um but yeah like try to protect your father like 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 emily was saying i think you're able to like give that energy that like hey i'm going to protect you i'm going to make sure nothing bad happens to you or no harm comes your way and i think woman can definitely seek comfort in that. And if a woman trusts you and she's comfortable in your arms, then she's so much easier to lead at that point.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say one of my favorite moments is realizing that a guy adjusted to ensure that I didn't run into someone. So if I'm having a great dance or I'm dancing with a really great lead and everything's really smooth and there's a moment where I feel like the momentum and the energy Going to do a certain step, but then it pauses, and I wonder, like, w- what happened because we'd been having such a great dance up until then. And then I realized the reason for that is he's protecting me and inspires so much more confidence.
0: Definitely. All right. So the next pet peeve from follows from Elise's perspective would be overstyling. And this kind of overlaps a little bit with backleading, but backleading is kind of anticipating what I'm trying to say, and overstyling, I feel, is trying to make yourself. Sexier or more noticed on the dance floor than you need to, you know. As far as overstyling, I think anticipation is one thing, but overstyling is like, okay, I, I want to be seen, I want to be noticed. And from a leader's perspective or a follower's perspective, with Kizoma, since the, the, the internal dialogue is kind of what matches everything, it's not really what you put out there outwardly to. The world is more inwardly with the connection. I feel over You don't want to feel like you're was- dancing with the washing machine because sometimes if the bunda <laughs> is just going in the automatic <laughs> moment, it's like I can't even try to communicate with you or try to lead you into something that's more subtle. Because I have to like almost use too much force to kind of get you to stop styling and listen to what I'm trying to say and then it's not worth it. There's many times on the dance floor where I try to execute moves and if it requires too much energy, then I just don't do it. And that's good advice for a lot of the leaders is like, don't try to force the moves. Try to use and see what she can pick up on with a bunch of subtle moves. And she doesn't get it, then she doesn't get it. You don't have to teach her on the dance floor. That's coming up in the pet peeves. But yeah, ladies, you don't have to overstyle. You have your own natural way of flowing. Leaders, you have to listen to the way that a woman moves her body and flow with that. You can't get her to move outside of that. But also, ladies, don't try to move your bunda. Bigger than it has to be. Everybody doesn't have to notice your booting moving. We don't have cameras rolling or anything like that. <laughs> just try to flow with your natural body movement at wherever you're at because obviously you guys are growing and practicing your, your movements and things like that. But on the social dance floor, just try to let it go and be mellow and just flow naturally with your natural movement that you have already versus trying to add on top of it now if you're practicing with your dance partner off the off the social dance floor then of course you can kind of try different things and experiment and you could get definitely experiment on the social dance floor as well but it's all within reason it shouldn't be like your main focus you know
1: Absolutely and ladies I am totally guilty of this one as you were talking about the bunda Uh like a uh, washing machine Mm -hmm. which I think we need a meme for I think like that's (laughs) the it's it's the flip side of the lap dance to a statue is like when you're dancing with a follow who's moving too much Mm -hmm. and I've experienced that too and it the, the problem with over styling is that it impairs your connection with your partner, which is the most important thing. We're dancing with someone, not near someone. Dancing near someone is a lap dance, you know, <laughs> we're both to, to dance together. It can't just be about one person. And so a lot of us. Uh, follows. Well, I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I saw Sara Lopez moving her bunda. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to move my bunda like that. And then I instantly try to do that when I'm following and I can't, I can hardly do the kizomba walk mm-hmm. at the beginning or like basic three properly. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do that. And it made it almost impossible for me to connect with my partner. And it's challenging because with that Ashinya type movements, you do really have to practice by yourself. And especially if you, like me, were learning Kizomba and living in a place where there isn't a lot of Kizomba, when you finally dance Kizomba with someone and they lead like a wave or something, it's like, show time and you give them everything you got. But like maybe your range of motion, your max is a hundred, mm-hmm. but the lead could leave like a 10% mm-hmm. on that or like a 50% on uh-huh. that. And we need to be able to listen. And I think that's the, that's the essence is like knowing when the appropriate time is. And when it's done well, it's really beautiful. And you have this really amazing dance because you're, Conversing, And the other thing is like, not every song is a super sexy song for mm-hmm. which it's appropriate mm-hmm. to be moving your bunda yeah. big. Like if it's a particular part where the lead is like a little bit more rigid or a little mm-hmm. bit more stiff, that's not the vibe. And if you're not connecting and picking up on the tone or the mood or the interpretation that your lead has of the song, you're really sacrificing a lot of connection and he, and your your lead will know that and it'll pair, impair the dance.
0: And one last note on the overstyling, it's not just the boondah action that goes through. I would definitely say sometimes followers have a tendency to look away from your lead. And that's considered styling. And I'm like, you're looking away from the person that's trying to lead you. And that can take away from the dance because it's like, oh, I understand what you're saying. So I can follow you with my eyes closed kind of thing. And sometimes that takes away from the dance because I don't feel like I have your attention. I feel like you're rather look away from me. And it, it makes such a huge difference when your follow is looking at you, not like into your eyes, staring at you the whole time, but just like her gaze and her, her frame is, is oriented towards you and she's, she's receptive to what you have to say. So that's awesome.
1: That's actually the perfect segue for the third pet peeve that I had about leads from a follow's perspective. And that's a uh, sacrificing the connection or looking away. So just as an example if I'm dancing with someone and he's distracted by something like maybe he's looking at looking for his next dance or maybe a hot girl walked in whatever um, even if I don't actually feel the physicality of his head like turning I notice I notice that loss of connection and his energy going somewhere else and because this is a partner dance and we want to be present and paying attention and listening to each other Th- that's it really it's, it's really a negative it, it really it really impairs the quality of the dance so I think things that happen on the that leads do a really common thing that leads do that impair the connection is like crazy tricks or moves or putting your attendant your energy elsewhere and not focusing it as much on connection so if you're doing for example like a trick like a lean or something like that and you're doing it with a girl who's not ready to do that, you are prioritizing the move over your connection with the partner and over your consideration of your partner. Because if she doesn't know what she's doing, it could potentially be unsafe for her or it could just be uncomfortable. And you don't want to put your partner in a position that makes them uncomfortable. Another thing is like another example of, of what I'm trying to get that, that you know, the deprioritization of connection and dancing together and being present with your partner at the expense of focusing more on steps can happen if the, just right away before, you know, like doing a couple of basics and really connecting with your partner, you're going right into you're going right into moves. When especially if it's the first time you dance with someone, like a few basic steps, that's a really great way as a lead to kind of gauge where your follows at and then it'll set the tone from the dance from there. But even it, like, with strong, experienced leads that I dance with all the time, um, you have to take a minute to, to get into sync, right?
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, my advice for the leaders at that point would definitely be to take your time. And be patient and not to make this a sexual thing, but it's like almost like foreplay. Like you just don't rush in. into bed. I was bed.
1: thinking about that as I was
0: saying it, but I didn't I wasn't I didn't have the balls to say it. I'm glad no, it's OK. Gonna... Um, I have balls, so I'll go ahead and say it. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Yeah. So take your time, guys. Um Don't rush into the movement. And again, this is easier to do at a Kizomba only social with the Kizomba DJ that's like giving you a good vibe and good songs to dance with on the dance floor, but it's okay to keep things basic and try to have a really nice connection versus trying to imitate the moves that you saw from Anna's latest demo, you know? And like I said, if you, if you want to practice Emma Enna's moves, do it in practice, you know, like, get a girl that you have a good connection with and practice i would love to see you guys practice and put videos out there and get together and practice the social dance floor is not always the best place because you're not trying to force those things to happen you're really trying to have a good time and like you said you have to be considerate for your follows and this reminds me of a video that a kizoma instructor put out from estonia i think his name is namanja i think i'm i might not be pronouncing it correctly But I really like the quote that he said at the end of the video. He said the basic steps are the first steps that you learn, but the last ones that you master. And it really just put things in perspective of how the basic steps can really give the followers an enjoyable experience on the dance floor versus trying to do all this crazy stuff and not focusing on them. And I'm, I'm pro creativity. I'm pro innovation on the dance floor. But make sure you have a good base of connection first that springs forward into that versus trying to create all this stuff with a brand new follow on the first dance, on the first song, and trying to do moves that you haven't even really perfected yet.
1: Yeah, we should definitely leave the link for that YouTube video or the, yes. the Facebook yeah, video. Facebook. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the, um, in the notes of the podcast. And I, I loved it because his punchline was basics aren't boring for mm-hmm. the follows. He asked follows like, do you find the basic steps boring? And almost unanimously they said no. And then he asked the leads, do you find the basic steps boring? And I think something like 90% mm. at the, the workshops he was teaching in Europe, so, they yeah. said yes, that that they are boring. So I think sometimes it's well-intentioned mm-hmm. that the the lead feels like to impress the girl or mm-hmm. to win her over, you have to do these big steps. But mm-hmm. for me, like even with leads who I know can do really cool creative steps Mm. that i don't get to do that often Mm -hmm. um like say i'm I'm like dancing with uh, charles or i'm dancing with josh and i Mm. know they could do certain things but if we're moving around all of a sudden we go back to basic one it's like uh, ah because that's i mean that's a step that made us all fall in love with kizomba i think because it's the most connected
0: i agree i agree Mm -hmm. i agree for sure let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors are you addicted to neo slash urban kizomba do you spend most of your free time watching Kizomba videos on YouTube and Facebook? Do you daydream about someday traveling to Europe to dance Kizomba? If you answered yes to any of these questions, get off your butt and head to the second annual Neo-Kizomba Festival in Austin, Texas. We are bringing some of the top European instructors and DJs to you here in the U.S. Lawrence and Adeline, Isabel and Felicien Anna Labone and... DJ snakes this is all going down July 8th to the 10th in Austin Texas find out more and grab your pass before the next price increase at neokidsfest.com again that's neokidsfest.com moving along the list of the pet peeves here I would say the third one here for the from a lead's perspective for the follows will be being asked to teach on the dance floor And this is different from teaching on the dance floor, but being asked to teach is one thing. Um, I'm an instructor, so obviously I do this full time and I won't get into that angle of it, of being asked to teach what you do for a living on the dance floor. But I mean, teaching on the social dance floor is already loud and you're just trying to have a good time. It's it's so much better to just let's see what we can create on the dance floor versus trying to teach you. Because first of all, you're not going to be able to hear me. It's not the ideal learning environment. I feel you would learn so much more if you just gave me your undivided attention on the dance floor. Let's see how you can understand what I'm doing. But if you really want to learn to be to like take a class or take a private or something like that, Um, but being asked to teach, oh, can you show me that move again or something like that? It's like. I don't want to have to force the move to you because I'm just going to show you like one variation. If I really, if we really wanted to like pull out my whiteboard and I could show you all the different (laughs) timings and variations and angles to it, you know, but I'm not going to do all of that on the dance floor and just teaching you that one move is like, okay, I know what to do. I know what to do with that move, but I'm not teaching you exactly the ins and outs of how I can play with that move and, and teach you all the different angles because every move has a different entrance and a different exit and things like that. So. It's not the the ideal time and I'm pretty sure the girls aren't coming from a, a negative place they just really want are eager to learn, but teaching on the social dance floor is really not the not the best place to, to do that
1: yeah and I think this is a really important social etiquette point because of course you know I think Charles's main goal is he wants to spread the love of kizomba and people showing enthusiasm to learn is a great thing but to ask someone to do it is I think not only kind of like socially uncouth i think it could also be disrespectful because if you're dancing with someone who's an instructor it's you're you're asking for free advice and it's a little bit disrespectful to do that especially at a social which is basically like a party and we're there to enjoy each other so not only is it really uncomfortable to take away from that carefree like let's enjoy ourselves atmosphere to teach you're also asking for a free service uh, for someone's for someone's profession mm-hmm. and if you ask someone who teaches or they they give private lessons i think that's the most appropriate way mm-hmm. i had someone ask me recently you know, i was going to a social and he's not a dancer and I said, yeah, you, you know, you're welcome to come. He's like, oh, could you teach me in like 10 minutes before? I said, no. Like, if I could teach you in mm-hmm. 10 minutes what it is that we do, I would be like a genius. Exactly. And it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm an attorney and I get people asking me for free legal advice all mm-hmm. the time. And it's like, if it's like your mom or your cousin or something like that, that's one thing. But it's really disrespectful in the sense that it's, it devalues it. Mm-hmm. And it's it treats it like it's something that it's so simple, you could convey it in yeah. for a few minutes, which any dance worth doing you cannot teach in ten minutes, yeah. let alone like the first thirty seconds of a Kizomba song at a yeah, social. Sure.
0: That was a really good point with the, the, the free legal advice because <laughs> I'm pretty sure a lot of things can can boil down to that. But I mean there's plenty of people who put in a lot of work, a lot of dedication, a lot of time into not just dance, but to learning how to cook. To being a lawyer, to medical advice, and all these kind of things, you know. And in this day and age, like a person wants to create value, like we're doing this podcast, we're not charging you for it or anything like that. We're creating value, you know. But the we do want to spread what we love to do. But at the same time, don't be afraid to support the people who you. I mean, if they're if you're if you're choosing them to ask them for the advice, then you should be able to offer something, or at least like take me out to lunch or dinner or something like that, you know. And and pick my brain. That's I feel would be a lot more respectful because there's some kind of exchange, you know, versus receiving um, and not giving anything any back. And that opens up a whole new can of worms of like what you give and what you receive and things like that, you know.
1: I just wanted to give a really quick shout out to TV because TV, just within this past week, Mm -hmm. he uh, posted a meme about, no, you can't pick my brain. It Mm. it costs too much. Mm -hmm. And our uh, friend TV, not only is he a wonderful kizomba dancer and an instructor, instructor, you should message him for private Mm -hmm. lessons. He's also an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and um, and, an expert when it comes to marketing. And so, you know, you may not know Everything that went into someone gaining their expertise, whether it's becoming uh, an expert on marketing or an attorney or a, a dancer, the, the amount of money and time that goes into it, and you really should, you know, respect that.
0: Yes. Shout out to TV too. TV is one of my my day one homies, and <laughs> he's really been really encouraging and supportive of me being um, where I am today, as far as the dance instructor and entrepreneur and things like that. um, I was calling some people who positively impacted my dance journey and TV was one of those people that I called out. So shout out to TV. You're awesome that Keep keep doing what you're doing. And before we get into the general pet peeves, I'm going to go ahead and publicly within the scope and the wide scope that we have of the internet and give a shout out to Emily Bartholomew um now that since it's my dance anniversary i definitely want to give emily a shout out because she's probably the person that i talk to about kizomba the most <laughs> <laughs> anytime i find a new video or a podcast or a blog or anything like that and that's one of the reasons she was on the first podcast um but i just wanted to say thank you emily for all your words of encouragement and always being positive even if we disagreed on something like we were able to do it respectively or respectfully and it's been really awesome to have you in my corner and have you here on this podcast. And I look forward to having we had some really good dances last night at the social, too. Yeah, so it was really it was really it awesome. <laughs> but I just wanted to say thank you to her publicly here, quote unquote, on the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you, Charles. And it's um, yeah, it's been so great to have the like the friendship blossom, like I was saying before, like really nerding out either mm-hmm. on Messenger or over the phone about uh, Kizomba. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, one of the beautiful things about Kizomba is you can find these kindred spirits, you know, people who are really um, passionate and really curious, people who are artists, mm-hmm. who are interested in, you know, taking care of themselves and also putting something positive into the world. And so that's, I mean, it's absolutely been my experience um, from, from my perspective with our friendship. And then, you know, like like we were just mentioning our friend TV. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he, we met him through Kizomba. Mm-hmm. But now our friendship with him is not just, like, dance acquaintance, mm-hmm. you know? Because you have those people who are just dance acquaintances. But, um, yeah, I mean, some of... I think all of my closest friends in Texas now are people that I've met directly because of Kizomba.
0: And we're not even going to talk about the miles that you put on your car, traveling to all these different people in Texas.
1: My poor Honda Accord (laughs) really is the one who bears the brunt (laughs) of shouldering the responsibility for maintaining these friendships.
0: We're in Austin, Texas right now. Emily lives in McAllen. She's going to be in San Antonio tomorrow and then driving back to McAllen. So she definitely gets around but we love emily for it so um just to bring the podcast to not a close right now but bring it bringing it home because <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking but i mean this is like our phone calls like we could gonna emily and i get on the phone and like we're like oh i'm on lunch i only have 15 minutes an hour and 15 minutes later charles i really gotta get to work because we're just talking about all these different topics so it's it's really awesome but we have some more general um, pet peeves in the dance scene that we've listed here. We won't go too far in detail since we're getting close to that time with the podcast, and we'll start off with those. Um, one of the I have this forum online, and it's called Kids Connection, and basically it's a free Facebook group we get on. and I post post questions about the dance scene and stuff like that. And one of the things that sparked this podcast was in the in the group I put a question: "What are your kids' I'm a pet peeves?" and people. People went to town <laughs> on their peppies, you know? And it's, and it's an important event and things like that. Um, but the comment that got the most likes was <laughs> by the people in Kiz Connection was the debate between um, traditional kizomba and urban kizomba and how, like, is it a real dance? Is it a style? All this stuff and things like that. And from our perspective, what we concluded, and this is going back to another blog, by Laura Riva, who is freaking awesome. If Laura, if you listen to this right now, I'm going to keep pestering you until you write a book because you need to write a freaking book. But um, she has this one talking about, um, it's called Insert the Real Dance Here. And basically it talks about any dance, tango, swing, blues, salsa, bachata, kizomba, how there is usually a crowd that says, oh, well, like these new styles isn't the real dance or anything like that anymore. And I won't get into details because that's a whole nother, that could be a whole other podcast. But one key point that she talked about that really stuck with me was cross-compatibility between the dances. Is the new style, no, no matter what what dance that you're dancing, compatible with some of the traditional dances or the dance styles? If they're still able to communicate and the lead and follow communication is still there, then that validates that new style. And we were talking about it because you were here in Austin taking a Zouk workshop and there seems to be a lot of different styles and techniques and things like that in Zouk, and it seems to be more accepted like if it's compatible okay i can't really refute that you know versus like oh it doesn't look this way or it doesn't feel that way and that cross compatibility is really important now if i'm creating a new style and i can't dance with somebody in the traditional dance then that kind of takes away from the validity of my new style
1: yeah and i think um you know just to kind of close out the topic i think that for a lot of folks who are new to Kizomba, when they see on social media these really vehement mm-hmm. arguments, like not even debates because sometimes it can get into character mm-hmm. attacks mm-hmm. and we're all entitled to our preferences, but there's there's a way to do that respectfully and mm-hmm. there's a way to, um, you know, engage in dialogue about it respectfully, but it turns people off. And this is, dance is an art. Mm-hmm. It's like, painting or Mm -hmm. it's like singing and I think by definition with art you have to have preferences and not everyone is going to like Mm -hmm. um, a particular kind but there's a way to be inspiring Mm -hmm. and positive and love what you love without hating on what you hate Mm -hmm. and so I think that's something that especially when I was new to Kizomba Mm -hmm. I felt like really soon I was mindful of you know some some divisions in the mm-hmm. community when it when it came to perspective and a name that I bring up a lot in this regard um, that who's a, a friend of Charles and I is Adam Top mm-hmm. who is in the bachata world. Um, Adam is is incredible. He's really really knowledgeable and uh, really really has studied the culture of bachata in Dominican Republic and he is able to love what he loves without hating on mm-hmm. different perspectives or different styles mm-hmm. and it makes him so much more effective not only as a positive member of the community who's getting more people to love Bachata. My first workshop was with him Mm -hmm. and Bachata, actually. um, But also having his preferences respectfully. Mm -hmm. No, that's a
0: really good point. And like I said, I can talk about this for a very long time because it's something that affects me directly. But like even taking it outside of the scope of Kizomba, it's it's taste and everybody's not going to have your taste. And that's cool, but that's what makes art art. That's what makes... I mean, it's like food. Like, just because you have a favorite food, doesn't mean every other dish is crap. <laughs> just because I like a color, that doesn't mean that every other color is crap. It's just this is my 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 color. This is my favorite food. This is my favorite song. This is my favorite dance, and that you're entitled to be you in the dance scene, you know. And if you're an instructor, of course, there's a responsibility to kind of learn all the colors and foods and things like that to know what's going on, so you're not ignorant. But it doesn't mean that you have to conform to a degree because things are always. In the, um, things are always evolving and changing and things like that in the dance world. So moving along the list here, the next one is going to be teaching on the dance floor. Before we talked about being asked to teach. And one thing is teaching on the dance floor. And this is usually done by non-instructors. on the <laughs> <dance>. <laughs> And they may, it may be coming from a good place, you know, but like I said, guys, or if, if you're a leader and you're teaching To somebody who doesn't know kizomba and it's okay if you're teaching like their first steps let's say it's their first couple of classes or something like that and you're just trying to guide them along the way but if you're trying to do a more advanced move and they're not following it and they don't understand your lead like i remember i made a meme that says your lead should say everything that i need to know without having to say anything and that was kind of into that regard of like i don't need to teach on the dance floor guys if she's not understanding the move don't do it on the social dance floor. Do what you can with what you can. If you really want to get that move and you really want to be a good student, practice outside of the socials. That would be my challenge to you guys.
1: Absolutely. The, your lead should speak for itself. And if it doesn't, either you're not executing it effectively, which is, I think, the case 80% of the time.
0: Or even if it is the follow, like it's okay.
1: Exactly. And so the, the other scenario is like the follow doesn't know what it is you're leading, in which case you shouldn't be freaking doing it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think, um, you brought up the practice partner thing Mm -hmm. before. That's a great way to learn because you need to talk to someone and get feedback about what they're feeling or not feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I practice with Josh, that's when I get the most feedback of, um, you know, like my posture and and uh, and things like that, and then also what we were talking about before with styling, because a lot of kizomba, I mean, to intellectualize it or to learn a particular pattern at a workshop, is like it's a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. it will only get you so far i'd say like 15 percent. Mm-hmm. the other 85 percent is like muscle memory and feeling it in your body because you're going to be dancing with a lot of different people who probably didn't take the same workshop and if they did take the same workshop hopefully they're not doing that exact pattern mm-hmm. all the time hopefully they're making it their own
0: mm-hmm. definitely guys um definitely practice more is going to make your dance so much better and I know some of us have varying levels of Kizomba in our cities where we may be living, but try to find somebody who's a good friend. And that's when you can go and have your sandbox mode and go crazy and try <laughs> to go figure out different angles and stuff like that. That's not always the best thing to do if you're just trying to have fun at a social to be put through a, a test of seeing how many different ways in like I said, it's a balance because you don't want to just do things you're only comfortable with, or sometimes you're inspired to do something. And I've done plenty of things on the dance floor before, and like I didn't even know I can do that. And if <laughs> I tried to do it again, I probably couldn't, you know. But it's it's all based on that connection. It's, it's not my main focus, you know. Um, moving down the list, the next pet peeve will be dance snobs. We all come from a certain place, and we would, I mean we weren't born out of the womb dancing, you know. But it's really interesting how sometimes. These people who are dance knobs and let's say they let's say for the few who are dance knobs they actually have something to back it up versus just being the best dancer in their city. Having that hum that humility, you know, I, I wrote a blog on this and I'll, I'll include that blog in the link that was um, the five characteristics of world class uber dancers. And we talked about teaching ability, performing ability, social dance ability Marketing and networkability, and the fifth one was humility because it's it's really rare. I wouldn't say it's rare, but it's it's such a gift to see somebody who's a ten time, twenty time world champion and really be humble about their accomplishments, knowing that there's always something more to learn and not be snobby about it. And it's it's really interesting to see that same attitude in people who haven't even performed before, you know, and they just kind of have this this superiority complex on the dance floor and that might be something coming from off the dance floor into the dance into the dancing you know but it's really important to to be humble
1: absolutely i totally agree and then also it's sort of what we were talking about before about bringing new people in um so our ulterior motive here is like we love kizomba and we want more people to love kizomba we we want to share it and that is that's actually sales. That's like marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even if that, you know, not in the sense of, you know, getting money out of it. But people people being drawn and attracted to this kind of dance. And you can really do that with your attitude. And if you're a teacher or even even if you're someone who's big in the scene mm-hmm. and people like know you from Facebook or know from Uh, know you from dancing I think Cindy is actually a great example Mm -hmm. of this you're an ambassador for the dance Mm -hmm. and you should mind your manners Mm -hmm. like hopefully your mama raised you right and you know how to to be kind to other people and um if you have are someone who comes from a classical dance background and you have 15 years of ballet experience like uh, the zoo constructor today first of all i want to be you i wish i was you (laughs) um but you can still teach with a lot of humility and then you have an adam taub type of persona going and it really attracts people and it inspires people
0: i think if there was a dance dictionary and the word humility was in there we should put a picture of adam taub in there (laughs) as like the embodiment (laughs) or maybe he should be a hashtag like this oh yeah he's he he has such a tall personality (laughs) And he'll be like the gold standard of it because he's really like a class act at that for sure.
1: Totally, absolutely.
0: All right, we're down to our, t- our last two.
1: <laughs> it's been a real marathon.
0: <laughs> yes, but I really think it's important. And for the people who are here, like I guess I had the mindset I should cut this short, but at the same time, I feel like we're really addressing a lot of the issues that are important in our dancing. And I mean, if you have things to do, you can always put it on pause and come back <laughs> again. It's okay, but we're down to the last two. So here we go. SBK socials, meaning salsa bachata kizoma socials versus pure kizoma socials. um, That's a pet peeve because if kizoma pretty much in the US is still growing and it's still new and things like that. And the SBK socials, nine times out of 10, I want to say kizoma is like the redheaded stepchild of that social. and It's not like a 33, 33, 33 at that social. It's usually like a 40, 50, and like 10 or 5% of Kizomba. So that's a peppy because it's not, you, you advertise Kizomba on the social and then you don't play a lot of Kizomba. And usually that goes into like begging salsa patata DJs to play some Kizomba and we've all gone through those pains. And that's one of the reasons that I'm really big a uh, proponent for Kizomba only socials because you're only going to get better talking about the importance of social dancing. Doing a Kizomba only social is just going to make it that much better for you to really get that practice and the muscle memory in and you can't get that at a SBK social. So a pet peeve from a promoter's perspective would be advertising Kizomba on the social and then Kizomba doesn't get played as evenly as all the others. Or if you are gonna promote it, I would say go to the extra level and work with your DJ and advertise the percentage of kizoma that's going to be played because if you just do sbk i mean that's three letters and k is one third of those letters so it should, we're expecting one third of the we're music to be. equal rights
1: even though the k is last i think actually there might be some sort of prioritization based uh-huh. on the order of the letters. that's
0: interesting because i've seen different i've seen kbs i've yeah, seen yeah. sbk and i've seen bks so <laughs> you've seen all those different ones but um, and that goes not just for socials, but even at some congresses sometimes that have Kizoma there. And granted, Kizoma is new, it's still growing and things like that. I get that. But that's why I see that you have a lot of people starting Kizoma only workshops, Kizoma only socials, Kizoma only congresses and festivals. Not that we disrespect the dances or anything like that, but I feel like if we don't do that then it's going to be really hard to level up the dancers that we need to kind of inspire other people to start dancing the dance
1: absolutely and of course you're going to have those awkward times where there's almost no one in the kizomba room right and Mm -hmm. i think i think that's actually a better setup to have a kizomba only room because the benefit of blending it with other dances is kizomba gets more exposure and you have those people like hey what's that what are you Mm -hmm. dancing and it can get people interested. But th- I think a better way is to maybe have a dedicated Kizomba room because you will still have those people, even if it's not in the main room, kind of poking their head in. Mm. I, I mean, that's how I was exposed to Kizomba mm. at the um, Reno Bachata Festival. And um, yeah, like in some of these events that are combined, when you get to the event in Kizomba's an afterthought – First of all, it feels like you've kind of been ripped off mm-hmm. because you were sold something or something was marketed, and so they got your money. You had an expectation. Yeah, and you had an expectation that that wasn't fulfilled, which isn't great, and it's kind of disrespectful. And it's honest. I, I mean, it's not honest. It's obvious to those those of us um, who get there that it it wasn't a main focus. And for people to be able to level up, you have to do that because you know you know those dancers that I'm talking about. They dance kizomba just a little bit just to know how to mm-hmm. dance when lento comes on <laughs> after 10 salsa, salsa and bachata shout out, to Josh. shout out to Josh the
0: biggest lento lover in the world
1: <laughs> Josh hates that song we were at uh, an SBK social and um, he, he says if, if that DJ puts on lento cause I had to go and bang the DJ mm-hmm. and groveling isn't fun but I had to go and beg the DJ to play it and he says if they put on lento I'm not gonna dance and protest <laughs>
0: All right. So the last pet peeve that we have here is going to be over apologizing. And this goes kind of like to what Emily was saying before earlier in the podcast of not apologizing. <laughs> Sometimes you get those follows of those leaders that are just overly apologetic and it takes away from the dance because now you're walking on eggshells versus it's, it's a balance. So you can be on one side and like zero f's given and just not care about anything or you can be on the other side of the spectrum and be not confident and feel like every step that you make is a mistake and then like you're not focused on having a good time and that can be a pet peeve as well because you're not really enjoying the dance and now sometimes when a girl tells me follow or sometimes when a girl tells me I'm sorry I'm like that's the only rule that I have you can't apologize for your mistakes. Just just roll with them because sometimes the moves that you that are a mistake turn into a new move or a pattern or a step or a flare or a variation or something like that. So don't be afraid to to fail or make a mistake. And I know that's different because in our education system we're kind of trained to like avoid mistakes and avoid failing and things like that. But if you don't make those mistakes, then You don't really grow and you don't learn from those mistakes, you know, so it's okay to make mistakes and stuff like that. Nobody's perfect. It's a social dance floor. So it's it's totally cool. But you don't have to be overly apologetic.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of times as women, I think we're taught to apologize to sort of diffuse situations and diffuse conflict. And it it can be really just an impulse um, for us. But. What's problematic about it is that it really inhibits connection. And so you turn this nice, fun, social, connected thing into a situation where someone's bad or someone's Mm -hmm. wrong. And there's like, you know, someone there with a red pen correcting your Mm -hmm. kizomba. So I absolutely make mistakes on the social dance floor uh, with every rhythm. Mm -hmm. You know, it just happens. And so, um, what I'll do when I make a mistake is I'll look at the lead and I'll smile and he'll know why I'm smiling, Mm -hmm. but it's a way to maintain that positive connected energy because, you know, when I'm, when I'm leading a girl and she apologizes, what it feels like is like, she's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and being comfortable is so important, especially if you're dancing with someone new, whether a leader or a follow to the extent that we can make ourselves and other people feel comfortable we're not only gonna have more fun at the social, but we're gonna become better dancers because what we're practicing is not just how to like execute a saída or like basic two or something like that. We're practicing being more comfortable, being in the moment and being in connection with another person. And um, like I remember Remy, for example, when I was first dancing with him, he'd be like, oh my bad, when he'd make a mistake. But honestly, I didn't even see the mistake. And I I freaking love dancing with Remy. It's like, you know, don't worry about it. Like, we don't let's let's like just enjoy the dance. And if we're a little off, we'll get back on track. Yes,
0: definitely. So yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like life lessons that you learn on the dance floor sometimes. And that's the one, the beautiful thing that I love about dance is how the revelations and the lessons that you learn on the dance floor can be applied outside, off the dance floor. Um, so we appreciate you guys hanging in for the podcast. <laughs> um, we know it was a longer podcast this time. But we really feel like these things need to be said in the dance on the dance scene. And I feel like the podcast is kind of the perfect way to do that versus hush, hush at a social or maybe just within friends. Now, this is on a public platform. And like I said, we're not doing this to be negative people because we both love Kizomba, you know. However, it is important to kind of address these issues in a positive light, you know, um, to kind of help increase that awareness between yourself and with your partner and how you may be perceived you know so we hope you guys enjoyed it we love to hear back from you um oh there's a list here on the show notes page where you can reach out and send an email message to me um we appreciate it if you guys subscribe to the podcast on itunes and we appreciate you guys we'll see you guys in the next episode have a good day bye Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out NeoKizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.